Hey, welcome listeners. This is a special episode of Escape from Plan A. One, I guess, uh, under ideal circumstances, we wouldn't have to do, but there was the in New York City, there was this vigil for Michelle Goh, who was the woman who was tragically killed in the subway uh, uh, like earlier this week. So we thought we needed to do an episode. And so here's me, Chris, along with Adam, Teen, Jess. Hey, what's up, guys? Hello. Hey. And special guest, Calvin. Hey, Calvin. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, to the listeners? Because I think it's your first time on the pod, right? Well, uh, hey, listeners. Um, I am a native New Yorker I'm from the Guyanese community. And, uh, you know, I discovered Plan A through Reddit. And uh, I've been hanging out on Discord. So nice to have you, Calvin. And we want to have you on because you actually went to the vigil, which we can get into more detail soon. Uh, I, if you're listening to this episode, you probably kind of know what went on with, with the Michelle Goat thing. But um, does anyone want to just give the facts on on what happened? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's that many facts. Uh, Michelle Goh, I think she's a 40 year old uh, Chinese American woman from, I believe, California. Um, and she was, you know, she was working at uh, Deloitte. I don't, that for some reason that was like a very well-known fact that she worked at Deloitte. Um, and she was, it was over the weekend, right? And I think she was with a couple of friends. She was on the uh, R platform, the R train platform in Times Square. Every New Yorker has been there at, and many times. It's a one of the most busy. Um, I think they said the busiest. It's probably the busiest train platform in, in the entire system. Um, and she got, you know, as the train was coming in, someone shoved her. They said she never saw her attacker. She she just got shoved right onto the track, and uh, the train killed her. So that I mean, there's not many facts there, right? Um, the guy was a 61 year old um, homeless man. Um, I'm going to mention his race because it affects, I think, the Asian American reaction to it. Okay, so it was a 61 year old black man, and I think that's material in terms of how. Asians have been reacting and talking about it because it's always more sensitive when the killer is black. And um, I mean, the guy's clearly insane. You know, he was there's he was doing the perp walk and he was telling the reporters that he was God and the guy's completely insane. Uh, and as a New Yorker, that's not that's not surprising because let's face it, the the fucking subway system has become a, has become a makeshift shelter for the sick and the insane and that's we have all become accustomed to it and none of us for example if you if you walk into a train uh, stop me if you guys want to but if you walk into a train and you you see the train is you know there's three or four uh homeless people basically sleeping or living on the train no one calls the police no one says anything you don't pull the conduct you know you might go to a different car so I think by and large, we've all accepted that that's just this sort of, you know, the, the function that the, that the subways play in the city. And um, she she was an unfortunate uh, victim of that uh, collision of worlds. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually really surprised. Uh, just I think I'm the only one uh, in this in this bunch here who is not uh, in or around New York. So I was actually really shocked. None of the reporting actually mentioned anything about the deteriorating conditions in the subway. I didn't know that there was a big homeless population that basically lived there. From the reporting, it just sounded like uh, he was uh, like another passenger or wait- waiting to be a passenger. 
I think that's a, that's actually kind of materially important because uh, when we get to the point where we're talking about, well, what do we do? Um, it means that most of the country that's not like intimately aware of the situation uh, kind of doesn't have this really important piece of background information. Yeah, that's an important piece of background information. I think the other thing that um, – and I want to get to this vigil um, yeah. that happened, uh, which Calvin attended. But um, I mean, I think, I think the other – there is this, yeah. There, there, there definitely is this dynamic of of uh, the collision of a homeless, an indigent population that uses the subways as a makeshift shelter because they have nowhere else to go, and a population that largely ignores them, right? Like the way you basically, I mean, just the way you ignore, uh, you know, any stranger or you just ignore it. And the other thing that I think is an important context is that you know in November uh, another person what exact same platform the uptown art platform in Times Square another person was shoved onto the tracks um, by a homeless man different man um, not black I think he was uh, Latino and uh, she didn't die good Samaritans uh, pu- uh, pulled her out of the track she was pretty badly hurt you all saw the video uh, yeah, I, I sent the link in the chat gruesome Pretty gruesome. She was, you know, bloodied head, everything. She had to get wheeled out of there. Um, also an Asian woman, young Asian woman. Right. Uh, a month before that, in October, a uh, Filipina nurse, I think in her six, in her early 60s, shoved outside of the station to her death. So, you know, I think part of this is that there has been um, a pattern of violence against Asian women in Times Square. I'm not even saying New York City. Let's not even talk about New York City. All right, because if you talk about New York City, it's too big a topic to talk about. We've got to talk about Guaying Ma right in my neighborhood in Jackson Heights or North Corona. We've got to talk about Yao Pan Ma who died the other day um, yeah. after he got his head stomped in um, Upper Manhattan. It's a recurring pattern, uh, but like if we just focus in on time, and there's so many more that I'm leaving out, and like, hey, shit, if we go to like 49th Street, we gotta we can, we can uh, we can talk about stuff that happens there. But we talk about 42nd Street, Times Square specifically, within the span of three months, you know, three Asian women attacked, two of them dead, one of them nearly dead. She got pulled out at the last second. So that's important context. So I think you know I'm dismayed to see the 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 way that. I've seen white people, you know, white blue check journalists and stuff going around today. I saw Evelyn Yang tweeting about it. And uh, what's that guy's name? Mike, Michael, Mike Tracy, Mike Tracy, um, just straight up saying like, you know, you guys, this is this is this is uh, another um, brace. And this is this Calvin, I think let's segue into what you saw at the at the vigil, because I think it is relevant. But but Mike Tracy was basically saying like, this is you know, gross opportunism. This is, this is you, this is the woke crowd trying to make race into the issue when there was no indication that race had anything to do with this. And I'm, I'm split. I'm not convinced that race was the primary motivator in this particular attack. But on the other hand, I'm like, why do you talk to people this way? You know, why don't you, why don't you be a little bit more diplomatic or better yet? Shut up. But I don't know what what the point of going after an Evelyn Yang, um, 
you know, right right after this kind of attack happens, right after the Asian American community comes together, and and a lot of people outside the community come together um, to not only hold a vigil for Michelle Go, but to highlight this repeat this pattern that has become unmistakable and disturbing as shit. I don't know why people feel compelled to get into the face of an Evelyn Yang to tell her to shut up and stop being such a gross race hustler. I don't get it. But anyway, that's what it is. And it's like, you know, why don't they just stay in their own lane? Like, what is it about being a Twitter personality that makes you feel like you should have an opinion on this? Like, what that that person's like lived experience would make them even remotely qualified to talk about the stuff. And why do you care? It boggles my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why do you care? He's not not dealing with this threat, right? So why is he coming in and telling people like, oh, you're – you know, not only – I mean, I could even understand if someone came in and said, look, this is horrifying. In this particular case, I have – you know, they're saying that they're they're saying that there is no, um, you know, direct evidence of a racial motivation, but it is horrifying. You could say that. Right. Right. Yeah. And and at least maintain some level of respect. But this was just straight up like – you know, you guys, you're just being an opportunist, and and it's because of people like yeah. you that everything has to be about race. He turned it around, saying. right? And he tried to make it seem like Evelyn using the "Stop Asian Hate" hashtag in but the tweet. She's the cynical well, one. She was right. She's causing, she's creating the atmosphere of fear and anxiety and violence by using that hashtag. I mean, he so, used a phrase in his uh, in his follow up tweet to that, like unnecessary panic, unnecessary, yeah, unnecessary fear. Panic. Yeah, I don't. What? How does? What is? What's a necessary level of panic? Then I wanted him to quantify that, but he kept blocking people who were asking him that. Well, he you know, considers the, it unnecessary. Okay, what is the proper level of of concern that Asian people should have? Uh, in light of these attacks and you know furthermore what would be a level of violence at which point he'd be like oh shit there's something going on it completely hinges on some subjective feeling that these yellow people are overreacting which completely Mm -hmm. undermines the gravity of the death and you can only say that if you don't actually fear that for yourself here. The evidentiary standard in all cases was whatever the judge says that evidentiary standard is and apparently you know, guys like him are the judge, right? They're the ones who decide in their minds, you know, what is an acceptable, you know, what is the acceptable standard by which then you can say, okay, hey, maybe there's a racial aspect to what's going on. Three women in three months, two of them are dead. One of them very nearly dead under the same exact circumstances as happened to Michelle Go. I have not seen people repeat this or make this pattern known in the media they've not they've not said in in less in eight weeks there have been two asian women that have been pushed onto the track and there seems to be some danger or fear of even saying that the victim is asian there were people coming in after the reports initial reporting and local news saying an asian woman was pushed onto the track and you know stefan kim right he was tweeting about it and people were replying why did you include that she's Asian? How is that even relevant? Are you why are you trying to make this into some sort of race thing? Right? I'm like he's literally just reporting facts. You can't say the race of the person because then you're making it into a race thing. 
until the person said, I hate this Asian bitch. I'm going to shove her into the tracks because she's Asian. And that is because I hate Asian people. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> until that is heard and recorded, it, you can't even name the race of the of the person who got killed. Now, I think that you should report it because Safan has been covering specifically the attacks on Asian people in New York City. And apparently that's a problem for a lot of people. You can't even keep track of this stuff because, oh, you're magnifying the problem. You're blowing it out of proportion. You're cherry picking. It's all bullshit. I mean, they released the stats. The 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 growth yeah. in crimes in New York is all boat all boats are being lifted by this, but it's lifting Asians more. We know this, but can't say it. Can't yeah, in every say it. in every big city, every big city. Yeah, tell me there isn't a pattern there. Uh, yeah, Calvin, uh, since you went to the vigil, could you tell us what it was like, what you thought of it, uh, et cetera? Yeah, so, you know, like, I went into the office, uh, as I normally do, and I figured I'd drop in after work. My office is pretty close to Times Square. So I headed over there, got there before it started, and then just so just to describe what this area looks like, uh, there are these red steps like in front of like that building where they drop the ball. And uh, my immediate thought was, I can't find the vigil. I, I don't I don't I don't see it. Where is it? And then I realize the reason I can't see it is because there's a wall of TV cameras around the steps. And that's where the vigil is. And you know who's standing on the outside of that wall? Me and the normies. Who's inside the wall? Politicians, clergy. You know, it, it, it was just like shocking to me. Like this was not what it was expected. And, you know, it's not to bash like the organizers of this vigil. I, I do think they're doing the best what they think is right. But my God, I was just immediately taken aback that uh, it, it, it's like no vigil I've ever seen before. It was a press conference. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just talking to people like around the area, like, because what happened was, uh, and this was something else, these two tourists walked by. So they were projecting Michelle Goh's, like portrait onto the buildings around Times Square. And obviously the tourists want to know what's going on. And the, uh, the, the wall of people, like all the victims of Asian hate, were like projected up on these billboards. So, you know, they asked, like, what is this? And then I start talking about it. And like my voice is breaking because like I didn't realize just like how overwhelming this felt to describe what happened to Michelle and all these other like yeah. victims of hate crimes. And as I was doing that, like this other like older Chinese band like came into the conversation and he's like, well, you know who's not there? Vincent Chin. I was 18 when Vincent Chin died. And then like that just started like a, this bigger conversation with wow. all these people coming in like an older black lady, a younger Asian guy. And we were just all, we were just all like, what is this that we're looking at right now? Why are we staring at politicians? Like, why are we out here on the outside? We just came to mourn like a fellow New Yorker, a sister, you know, a, a friend of like of people. And instead we're just like, wa like watching TV cameras, like jockeying for position. It was just so strikingly weird. I mean, I think that, Calvin, that I kind of understand what you're talking about in the sense that, and I'm not a big fan of vigils because I feel like they want to turn what is an unmitigated horror 
into some kind of feel good event, you know, like something for us to, you know, get something in something positive, like let this let let's let this bring us together. Let's remember who, you know, all this stuff. And for me, I mean, I could be different, but I feel like the important lesson is to not feel good about this and to Mm -hmm. um, try and understand the horror of what happened to her, what it must have been like. Uh, in those few moments where she knew that this was the end, what, you know, nothing like to, to experience that sort of premature end, right? There's nothing, there is no redeeming, you know, ex- anything from that. It, it's just an unmitigated terror and disaster. And, and there's no reason to think that good came out of that. But that is the job of these politicians is to somehow take that depth of feeling and they become, you know, your savior all of a sudden, you know, like, Oh, like I'm processing this horror through Eric Adams or through, you know, you no, or something like that. Like, you know, or grace bang, you know, what do these people have to do with that? I don't know. I, I, you know, it's, it's opportunism for them. Their job is to go out and, um, you know, have the public see their face and attach emotions to them. And so they're, you know, they, they've, they, they, they descend on these moments and they, they're, they're, uh, they're vultures, you know, it's disgusting. It, it was just so shocking to me. Like, and I wrote this down cause like I went back today and just like rewatched some of the video, like Grace Meng, like opened her statement with saying, we're here to, to celebrate the love born out of pain and trauma for the API community. Like what? We're, we're here from, I mean, the no. vigil is for Michelle Go, not, not the AAPI community, right? I mean, she just kept this is some real, that's, like that's solid. Yeah. Yeah. This is Pelosi thanking George Floyd vibes here. Right. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. it is. Absolutely. That was the worst. Oh, that was, God. oh my God. She the thanked him for his just, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just thank yeah. Michelle for her sacrifice. She's going to bring us together. She's like the vehicle for the the salvation of like th- this horrible trauma. It's like what what on earth are you talking <laughs> like, about? It's like that like, little midget king from Shrek. Some of you may die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing. <laughs> I, I'm to make. willing to make. Right, <laughs> Lord Farquaad. Yeah, yes, Lord, Lord Farquaad. Farquaad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and they had like a full hour of the politicians uh, come a up there, A solid right? hour. And it was freezing cold. It was like 15 degrees out or something like that, right? An entire hour went by, and we didn't hear from anyone in Michelle's family or friends. It was the most – it pissed me off so much. What was – what were your personal reactions, though, absent all of this uh, vigil stuff? Like, I mean, I can say for myself that – it just it this one hit home because we're roughly the same age. I'm only a couple years older than her. I understand her life in a in a way in that she was you know toiling at some you know professional services firm and you know um, she's not from New York. She was living in New York and working in New York. Um, it, it she just reminded me of someone that I would know, and I was thinking more like. You know, I wasn't really thinking about I, I don't really honestly not really thinking that much about the racial aspect to this. 
her being Chinese American makes me uh, empathize with her more. So that there's that. But it, it's just honestly like the abject horror of I, I just I just kept thinking about like this one time when I was coming home. Uh, I think it was at Grand Central where a young Chinese woman, very young, I think in her twenties fainted she just fainted and fell onto the track no one oh, pushed that's, her that's a night she got pinned under the four train and they had to amputate her legs to get her oh, out on so they had to yeah, amputate geez. on site Dude, and that happened horrible. right before i was going home so i was there right after they took her out and when i heard about that the next day i didn't know till the next day that happened i just kept looking at this i'm like this is a this is a something happened here every time from then on every day when i went to that platform i looked at that platform i'm like something happened here that happened here yeah. you know it's like marked that spot for me um it, it made me think do you guys you remember the movie ghost there was a there was a there was a ghost that was living in the subways i don't remember um, that part because of someone movie. had pushed him yeah he was the one that was initially teaching him patrick swayze how to use how oh, to like, touch things in real life use his ghost powers okay yeah and it was like that. It was like, you know, it was, yeah. it was haunt. It's like haunting that spot for me. I'm like, this is something really terrible that happened, you know, very traumatic and just, just awful. That's all I could think of. I'm like, this is just an awful fucking event, you know, getting pushed on the subway like that. My God, everyone's nightmare. Yeah. Um, Calvin, you, you could probably verify this, but uh, this guy, Numchunks, Numchunks on Twitter, an old tweet thread, just basically outlining what he experienced. I, I'm assuming this is a guy uh, at the the vigil, and he had nothing, very few good things to say about it. He called it a farce. He said that um, basically the whole gist of it was we need more mental health services. Uh, we can't ask the cops to do this. Stop the hate. Essentially, no actual concrete solutions. I mean, like, I mean, like, like more mental health. Like, really, uh, like. How- how much does a therapy session cost for like an hour? $200? Like, are we really going to do that for the homeless? Are we going to give them a coupon? Well, what are they going to do? That's the, no, that's that's the thing that I, like people always default to it, but <laughs> nobody push even pushes that angle to its like conclusion. Like, okay, what are you going to do for them? Like, what what is it? What does counseling somebody with a deep, deep mental illness do for one thing? And are you going to help him not be homeless? Right. Yeah. That well, seems like a exactly. really big. What, how about you? Hope, that, yeah, you house like? them first, and then maybe give them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of I steps. Used, I used to work in like homeless housing here in New York City, and like even when you put roofs over their heads, like they still won't take treatment. They still won't take their medication. Mm-hmm. They won't talk to you. Like it's not so simple as saying, "Oh yeah, yeah we just have to pump community-based organizations with more mental health funding, and this is going to resolve itself." Also, like I agree that they we need they we need to help these people somehow. We need to find a way to help them, but like not next to a subway platform where we don't have like a protective barrier. You know, it's like like you know we we it would be like oh yeah, let's put them into cars traveling on the BQE. Let's just have them drive around while we and then we'll do like a social the social workers sit in the back of the car <laughs> while they drive. Like why would you do that? Um. This is Julie Wan. Like I'm looking at her. I remember she tweeted this in in, in the aftermath. 
tragedy today in Times Square. She's a Western Queens, Julie Wan. Uh, the tragedy today in Times Square is painful for AAPI New Yorkers and the whole city. Solidarity will make NYC safer. We need crisis intervention, social workers, counselors, conflict mediators. We need to heal together and resist the urge to meet violence with violence, which is an immediate politicization of this to say, yes, she died. Yes, she is, you know, one of the good people that a lot of people are going to feel uh, sympathy for. Yes, it was one of the bad people, an old black man, crazy homeless. We don't like these people. But no, this is not your chance to say we need more cops. We are against cops. I'm not saying cops are the answer, but neither are social workers. The problem is that we have basically through neglect just sort of by default accepted that the subways are are um, the shelter of last resort for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? And then uh, Nam he's going on. Atish James, who is the New York Attorney General, apparently didn't even know the name of the victim, called her Michelle Ho. Uh, yeah, that happens. And then uh, what else? Um, I think some people just commented on how creepy the all the the pictures all over Times Square were. I'm looking at pictures of this. I don't know. This looks like some Blade Runner shit. It just... I don't know. This is like I mentioned this before, but it was just so mind blowing to me. Like this woman was alive on Saturday, and on Tuesday she's a stop API hate avatar. Mm, yeah. Well, let's talk about that avatar thing. Like she is not the first uh, victim of this. Teen, you were talking about how there were actually many like her. Like why her? All of a sudden, why do you th- why do you guys think? I think she's the perfect victim. Honestly. For reasons we've talked about before, like she ha- she's a she's a white collar worker, right? She has friends and yeah. family. She I mean, like LinkedIn turned out for her because, you know, she had those professional connections. She worked for one of the city's biggest companies. Right. Uh, everyone's heard of Deloitte. Uh, it's Supposedly, just it's, yeah. it's just easier for people who, um, you know, are on social media who tend to be, you know, younger, professional, whatever, to sympathize with her. And I think that's why it took on a life of its own. Whereas if it's an attack against, you know, an elderly, you know, first generation person without a lot of connections um, and, you know, lives in poverty or something, uh, it's 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 hard to get that that uh, that that ball rolling. It's, there's got, not going to be the, very many people like saying, "Oh, I knew this person. You know, she was wonderful or something." It's just it's just dead air surrounding this uh, this poor person who gets attacked. You know, it's actually an interesting question because there was another murder in L.A., which it might be a bigger story out where you are, Jess. Uh, Brianna Kupfer, uh, 24 year old. Uh, uh, graduate student at UCLA. She was working at a high-end furniture store. She was alone in the store. Um, This was in Fairfax. And um, a homeless dude walked into the store, I think shot her to death? Uh, Stabbed her. Stabbed her to death. Mm -hmm. uh, And then walked out of the store. She was, I think she was Possibly a worse way to go, honestly. Yeah. But I just Um, thought, like, in terms of, like, I, I, I feel, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm here in New York, but I got the feeling that actually these were very similar um, incidents in a way, because you're talking about, um, you know, a young person who is just randomly attacked and killed uh, by a homeless man. 
under and the same social dynamics too um we don't have a subway yeah. system uh mm-hmm. that the people uh that people crowd into but that area it's a it's an area of really sharp contradictions like fairfax is a very very posh area full of really high-end like furniture stores uh home designs it's right where it's uh it's basically it basically supplies beverly hills and bel-air so this is where you want to go if you have like eighty thousand dollars to drop on a dining table or something it's that kind of area um but like immediately surrounding it um like like literally just go like one or two blocks over and you have a really dense population of of itinerant homeless people um with and the problem got worse over the last few years because a lot of shelters reduced occupancy for uh because of covid and just and i think and, and honestly the covid thing was the excuse to cut funding and services uh not the reason um so occupancy is low you know just a whole host of reasons um and and they're they actually are driven out like encampments sweeps have been happening really frequently so it is a very uh, uh i mean a persecuted population for lack of a better word um so tensions are running high so in an area like that where there's extreme wealth and extreme poverty in like right next to each other you're just gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have these uh these tragedies happen but is that is it a big you know it's interesting they're both from UCLA. Um uh, Michelle that's a, that's, Goh a, that's a grim a coincidence, UCLA, yeah. Yeah, it's from UCLA as well. I know this because Deloitte put out a statement saying that, you know, she she was always a big big fan of her beloved UCLA Bruins. Um but over here in New York, and I, I can't help I could not have helped but compare these two cases, and I was wondering which one would attract more attention. And at least in New York, I feel like the Michelle Go uh, situation, the Michelle Go murder, is attracting more attention. And I thought it might be because of the circumstances of it, because so many New Yorkers have thought about that happening to them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Whereas yeah. with what happened to Michelle Kupfer was sort of more bizarre, like unimaginable. Like people don't think about that. But I, I don't know. Is in L.A. I don't know. Is it a bigger? Is it a bigger story than I, it is here? Or I actually don't know. I kind of went on a little uh, like like social media blackout. Uh, oh, okay. Like just didn't tune into the news or anything. So oh. I don't know. Uh, I actually found out about that story like today. Actually, I, I had no I idea think... who this Michelle Kupfer thing happened. Okay, I think until it you just mentioned it. Because mm. Adams also mentioned this. Uh, I think if if it wasn't last week, it was the week before this, but. A 19-year-old girl, like working at a Wendy's in Harlem, was like either stabbed or shot to death. Yeah, by I like a, a career criminal, and like he Adams intentionally referenced that because he he basically his entire thing, which I don't think was very coherent, honestly. But he he used the phrase knee-jerk reaction to demonize people. He said, "We're not going to go in there and just like sweep all these people out of the system." And I'm like, "Well, what do you what what do you plan to do then?" And why like are we, you here? Why are you flapping ex- your gums here? Exactly. If you're, tell- if you're talking more about what you're not going to do than what you are going to do. I swear to God, they all were just talking so much about what they're not going to do. Wait, Adam's yeah. the, the, the law and order guy? The ex-cop guy? Yeah. What, what is even the point of having this cop mayor who is like afraid to use cops to like deal with this issue? I think he's, <laughs> I, I think he's I think he's good cop bad copping it. I think he's he, I think he's playing he's a play both sides kind of guy. He's got his brother over at the NYPD now. Um Yeah, it's something he yeah. said it, like he basically he's like we're segregated as a city. Our children don't learn from each other in school 
And I had this program as Brooklyn Borough President where we had people eat together from different walks of life. And it was like, none of that matters. None of that is relevant to what happened. Yeah. It does not matter because at yeah. the end of the day, we have someone who is dangerous, someone who all of you politicians ignored and like just pushed down the line until it became a fatal accident and like, or murder. I, God, I don't know even what to call it. Like, you what, know, what do we that, call this? It's a murder. But I think, yeah. I think that what you're saying, you know, the way I think of it is like what happened is like I said, it's a horror. It's a fucking horror. And we need to look squarely at what happened. We need to look at what happened. You need to think about what it looks like for someone to get killed by a train. I mean, have you ever seen that? I've seen it on video. It's one I had of the a hard most- time sleeping. I had a hard time sleeping just picturing that, honestly, I th- um, like Saturday. Yeah. It's a very carnal image, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Uh, and you've got to know, like, you know, when I was reading the details um, about the young woman who fell onto the tracks, dude, I was talking about earlier. See, she didn't die. So they went more into detail about what actually happened. And it's really 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 bad really bad i mean um you don't want to even imagine i don't even really want to talk about it but that's the reality of what happened and then immediately we get all this sort of like you know high-minded and abstract talk about let's eat lunch together and then julie wan talking about oh yeah we need conflict mediators what would we, that do? Conflict mediators. What's that going to do when the person just went up and decided to push her? Like, conflict mediators? Yeah, you want to mediate what that What is that going to do? Yeah. You're going to mediate the conflict? I, You're going to mediate the one second between yeah, think, when he shoved think, her and she fell? I think, I think what's going on is that, um, Calvin, that, you know, and we live pretty much in the same area of New York, uh, fairly close to each other, is like, this city is, you know, especially after the, um, God damn, was it summer of 21 or 20? Um, when we had all the George, George Floyd, uh, related 20. protests, 20, um, you know, there is so much political tension, uh, particularly around police and particularly around sort of like, you know, how do we, how do we, deal with police and then how, how do we ensure our safety without them? And di- like our police, should we defund them? Like, do we rely on these motherfuckers or like what, what's going on that the second this happens, you know, I look at Julie Wan's tweet. I'm like, it immediately goes back to that conflict. It's really the, the reality of what happened is just a small side show. It's a small event that triggered the larger fight. And we're st- everyone is just having that fight right now. Agreed. About agreed. what to do about the cops, you know. And it's like a it's like one of it's a cultural battle to some extent because I don't even think people are really talking about the reality of the cops in terms of like okay, well then what you know what exactly is it going to look like to defund them? What are we what how are we going to deal with the crime? How are we going to deal with this? I'm I want to hear it. I want to know because I'm not a big fan of cops. I don't like cops all over the place. Absolutely. But what are we going to do? And none of these people care because what they're doing is signaling what side of this culture war they're on. That's all they care about because Dude, that it, is how these elections are being decided now. And I'm, I, for one, found myself caught up in that, in that for a while. But these events are starting to 
wake me up to the fact that this is all bullshit. I tell you, it hurt me so much that we can't even mourn without putting mm-hmm. on a show mm-hmm. for like everybody else. Look yeah. at us. We're the good minorities. We're, we're with you. And I'm, I'm just going to quote like Grace Meng here. She's like, some people want more law enforcement. Some people want less. Some people think more services are the answer. And some people even try to divide us and blame certain communities. She used the term pointing fingers four times in her speech. I counted. Like, what? What? who are you talking to? She's chastising Asians who might get uppity. Yeah. I mean, I think I think she's talking to the cultural and political battle that's going on. And that's all that matters. She's 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 yeah. talking at from the, you know, from the stance of a politician who is daily caught up in that. And when she shows up to this vigil, this vigil is just one more site of this battle. You know, it's just one part, one stop, one more tick in this ongoing fight. And that is her political career, right? These events are just little battles, little skirmishes. And I, I, I hear you, Calvin, man, is like, I just don't give a shit. I'm like, as a New Yorker, as someone who's been in the subways, as someone who's thought about this a lot, um, like the, the primacy here for me is what happened to Michelle Goh. Yes. And what she went through. That's what I care about. I don't even really care about the racial aspect of it. I'm just saying like the people who jumped in and started, uh, you know, immediately turning this into a racial fight. I'm like, you're doing the same shit. You're turning a young woman's death into a into some fucking culture fight that you've been having with other people over other, you know, anything. Like, you probably had mm-hmm. this fucking fight uh, over Spider-Man or some shit, right? Oh, is <laughs> Spider-Man too woke? Oh, is the, you know, is this death, was that too woke? Was the response too woke or whatever? And no one has the fucking ability to distinguish a movie from this event, this death. And... That's crazy to me. I feel like people have lost their fucking minds. They, if they you turned her into a cartoon. Yeah, if you yeah, if you can't see the reality and horror of this, you've lost your fucking mind. You know, like and, and the reason yeah. she got she got turned into a cartoon is that uh, the the problem here is that I mean, we uh, asked a question before, like why her exactly? Her death is certainly tragic, but we've had other deaths before we've had people maimed and, and likely you know injured for life it's because like asian americans can't we're only allowed to to periodical event and I, I think like we're approaching the almost the one-year anniversary of the atlanta spa murders that was like the one time we were allowed to vent that lasted about what almost two weeks if we're being generous i think there's been a lot of build-up since and i think we've been searching for like that perfect time to vent and this seemed to be you know, close. It's like, okay, uh, as a Jess, you said, victim fits all the markers of the most sympathetic Asian American. Uh, the perpetrator is like, ideally he would be some, some like white incel kind of guy, but even if he's a black dude, at least he was crazy. So, you know, we can kind of go over that. And then some people want it to be a hate crime, but they also don't want to turn this into a racial thing and, and blame, you know, black people. It's like, well, in order to, for it to be a hate crime, you'd probably need to prove some kind of historic animus between groups. 
can't do that if you don't factor in race. It's, it's just a lot of incoherence, a lot of pent up feelings. And that's why, uh, Calvin, as you said, this didn't really seem to be about her or uh, Michelle Go, her specific uh, instance. It was just a, a mishmash of all the stuff. It's competing. It's competing grudges, beefs that people are having with each other. Uh, I mean, I I'm starting to have real problems with the with the concept of the hate crime. Honestly, I think it's actually counterproductive. Like I'm watching people go back and forth on this, uh, especially with that you know that Michael Tracy, um, you know, uh, him being a, an ass to Evelyn to Evelyn Yang on Twitter. Um, I wonder what what would the what would the dialogue look like if we took race out of this of this discussion, right? A woman was pushed off a off the train tracks into an oncoming train and died. It was a homeless man with severe mental illness uh, who was living in that station, basically subsisting in that station, right? Does a solution actually hinge on race? I feel like actually talking about the race of the victim or the the perpetrator in light when we're trying to talk about solutions actually hide something kind of a little sinister because especially why people are sensitive about the race of the perpetrator. I don't I don't know why that should matter. Why does the race of the perpetrator matter unless you're actually saying that there should be different tiers of justice depending on your race, which means that the, the, the severity of the crime has now changed depending on the race of the perpetrator. So if I'm, I'm killed by somebody who is race X versus race Y, somehow the magnitude of that crime differs because of the race who, who did that to me. Really? That's what it kind of comes down to, isn't it? Or am I getting something wrong about the legal thought process behind this? I mean, to get, I totally agree with you. I think I'm not a big fan of hate crime statutes at the state level. Um, I I don't know the full history, but my my uh, understanding of hate crime statutes, like at a federal level, has always been that the purpose of federal hate crime statutes is specifically so that, like, let's take Vincent Chin, right? If we there's a miscarriage of justice because the perpetrators are white and the victim is a non-white person and the local DA or law enforcement is too racist to properly uh, prosecute the case, the hate crime statute is a separate charge. It's a separate charge from the underlying charge of murder or whatever it is that they can the, the federal prosecutor can come and charge you with under a federal statute. To sort of, to sort of sidestep the jump, double jeopardy issue, right? So, or or the or the or the um, you know, the discretion of the local DA. So, local DA doesn't want to charge murder, or they put on a bullshit case and they don't really you know push it, or the jury, you know, you get this like white jury nullification or whatever. Okay, and then so what happened was Ronald Evans in that case. Uh, what happened? Did they get like a hung jury or some shit? Uh, something happened, um, and then the feds came in and said, okay, we're gonna then try you for hate crime then. Right. Meaning like it's sort of a way to, to sort of guarantee that the that there's there's a minimum charge in these cases and the federal government's going to come in and do it. So it's like sort of a procedural thing. It's a it's a jurisdictional thing. But the hate crime statute at the at the state level is to say, you know, we're going to charge you with murder to the full extent of the law. But then we can add on additional penalties if it was racially motivated. And I think that's fucking pointless because. You know, you you get a lot of weird outcomes where it's like, well, one, you have to immediately say it seems like you have to immediately look for 
evidence of whether it was racially motivated. And if you don't find it, you go out and declare that this was not a racially motivated crime. And what they mean is, no, we don't have the evidence to charge, to add a hate charge to it. That doesn't mean it wasn't racially motivated. It just means I can't prove it in a court of law. That's different. Okay. And then second is if I can show any other reason as to why I killed these people, for example, down in like the DC area, there's been um, a sort of like crime ring um, of people who have been targeting Arab Mm -hmm. and Asian households Mm -hmm. because they are known to carry a lot of jewelry and cash in their houses. So they're, they're juicier targets. Is that a hate crime? Well, it's not, you see, because it's not racial animus that motivated it. It was money. <laughs> so even though they're tar- there are specifically targeting Asian people and Arab people, it's be- well, they had a reason to do it. And so therefore it's okay. Like there's just these very perverse <laughs> outcomes weird. of it. Yeah. Like, you know, these people are therefore better than the crazed person who was dumb enough to scream, I hate chinks before killing one. And, and you know what? Like of all the hate crimes that have happened so far, zero, absolutely none of them have actually been charged as a hate crime in New York City. In New York City, it's, yeah. Oddly, they did really charge it down in Atlanta. Them. They did charge it down in Atlanta. And like you and I, like we all know that hate crimes have happened here in the last two years. But if you look at the justice system, it, that's not reflected. So what is the use of this law? Like, what is the it's use actually of counter- arguing? It's, yeah. It's it's actually counterproductive because then you get people saying, no, it wasn't racially motivated. They didn't charge a hate crime. And you're like, that's not what that means. It, like the hate crime is an additional charge that if you have – if you happen to have sufficient evidence because the guy just said something – like he had a Facebook post that was like, I hate Asians. I'm going to go kill some today. Then you can then you can charge the hate thing because you have like tangible evidence to bring into it. Does it, but does if, it add to the sentencing? Or something like it's a it's a separate the, yeah it's an add on charge yeah, it, it's okay. a, it's like I don't know if it's an aggravating it's aggravating factor to the underlying charge or a separate charge but yeah you you serve more time but I don't really care I mean I'm, I, I yeah. murder is murder that's a pretty right. big fucking charge already you second know? degree murder has uh, a pretty so hefty to me it's term. completely pointless because it's it's a it's an evid it's like a there's a very high bar for evidence. And Safan actually explained this to pe- to me on Twitter, and he was saying the reason that I report the facts about what was said or what wasn't said or what was heard, you know, is because it's relevant to the charge to, to the charging, right? And the thing is that when you bring a hate crime charge, you're saying like there happened to be, you know, direct tangible evidence of racial motivation that I can prove in a court of law with evidence, and People have who don't understand the law think that that means that if the hate crime wasn't brought, it means that there was no indication that it was racially motivated. And that's just not the case. It just means it's they don't have sufficient evidence for purposes of that statute. You know, and so the the down what I'm saying is the downside is you get a lot of Michael Tracy's coming around going, oh, there was no. First of all, he's basing the fact that it wasn't racially motivated on the fact that. The police and the DA have not indicated that they have any evidence to charge the hate crime with, but they have, and I just saw the news today, they have not made a decision on that. That is not the final word. The police are still investigating whether that's the case. So it's not even closed yet on that. And people are already going out saying, um, you you people, literally, you people Mm -hmm. are making, you know, you're, you're, you're using this to stir up uh, racial divisions in the city. Why would we want to do that? 
why the fuck would we want to do that? You know, and I think that's the fear is that Asian people will fuck up what are very delicate political alliances in the city if we start getting upset about what's going on with us. And that's we're what gonna, Grace we're is, gonna is end doing up, in her we're speech. Bi- we're a right? bi- yeah, we're a big enough constituency now that we could fuck the alliances up. We can fuck the balances uh, that keep the city aligned. We can screw all that up uh, if we get out of hand. You know, and I think that's why there is this rush to silence Asian people when it comes to this stuff. Because def- they... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, that's definitely true of others. I think like, like a Julie Wan type. I don't know if she's actually elected or not. She might be running a campaign. I'm not sure. But like... She's, a, like uh, my, hmm? uh, she's newly elected. She's first couple okay. weeks in office. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. That explains it. Uh, Michael Tracy, I, I think, leans more right wing. So I think he just hates race talk in general. But yeah, Tien, you're, you're right in that. Generally speaking... Uh, on the liberal side, yeah, it's like Asians, when we advocate for our interests, we, we mess up the delicate ecosystem of the whole progressive sphere. Yeah, it would just well, be I better if we shut up and took it. Yeah. So that's why he says, you know, that's why it's phrased as like, oh, you're stoking unnecessary panic, unnecessary fear. You fucking tell me what's a necessary level of fear then. How many fucking Asian women have to die in gruesome ways in a heavily populated city before the panic is justified then i need that number then if it's up to him to to make that to make that call i don't know for another it's uh it's i mean people get hung up on whether it was racially motivated or not or you know the people need to rally around this as a as a hate crime that's the only like valid reason for asians to get together and mourn like calvin calvin said like why don't we get a moment to just mourn right so when Evelyn is saying, you know, you know what she, you know, I, I don't, I think the hashtag is, is, is corny and all that, the stop AAPI hate. But when she's using that, I, I didn't see, I don't think she even used like hate crime. It's simply that a crime happened to another, a fellow Asian. A sister was killed brutally. She happened to be Asian. We are, we are rallying and we are rallying around that. It doesn't have to be a racially motivated attack. It's that it just happened to someone of of Asian descent. Yeah. So I don't know, see people... why they need to. So it seems it does seem a little psychological, like you're saying, Tim, to kind of to kind of break apart this budding this budding sensibility that there is a cohesive consciousness to this uh, to this growing this uh, growing voting block. You know, people mercilessly like mocked Andrew Yang for saying that the Times Square station was his favorite subway station. But you know (laughs) that Evelyn Evelyn Yang like feels something, feels a way about this when the station that she goes through every day as a 40 year old Asian woman herself, someone like her died there. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you have these assholes on Twitter telling her like, oh, no, what are you making this about? Like, why are you making this a big deal? And I tell you what. When they start throwing dumpy white guys on the tracks, they're allowed to have opinions. Yeah, and we're gonna finally get some barriers yeah. set up if uh, <laughs> if that shit starts happening. Yeah, and for Mike Tracy, it, he doesn't he he'd sacrifice all the Asians in America. There there would there isn't a necess, uh, there isn't a necessary level for him, right? We're all you know any talker any any of us talking is unnecessary in his opinion. So it's you know, but it, he he's he is who he is, and, and he's an asshole. 
Like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what I he mean, said. I mean, Thanks. fuck that guy and fuck, fuck yeah. people who saw that uh, shit and just are rolling their eyes at this, at, at this, these funny little people making all this fuss and, you know, trying to, trying to be cynical little elves and steal, steal the spotlight for themselves. I know many 40 year old uh, Asian women who live in New York City and go through, go through uh, that subway station. You know, we've had that conversation this past weekend. Mm-hmm. What they're gonna, what they would do if they had to take the subway again, right? Stay far back from the platform. Keep your back to the wall. You know, keep you know, don't don't be listening to music. Stay focused on your surroundings. All that shit. I bet Michael Tracy didn't have to didn't have to talk about that. You know what's so fucked up is just thinking about what Calvin's saying is like. Love is not the problem. Like, lack of love is not the problem. We are talking about the interactions of strangers. Strangers do not. New Yorkers do not live in a love pit, okay? We walk around ignoring each other, and that works fine. We don't need more love. The problem is not a loss of love here. It's not a loss of solidarity. Strap mm-hmm. hanger solidarity doesn't exist. Everyone mm-hmm. on the subway hates everyone else. Okay, that's just how it is. I would rather <laughs> it's not be here with you the people. Basement. It's but- it's not it's not it's not uh it's not love, right? Some some utopian vision of of solidarity. It looks like, you know, a, a West Side Story yeah. musical or some shit, right? It's simply enforcing <laughs> the bare fucking minimum. The bare minimum level of conduct. The bare minimum level of treatment you should reasonably expect from your city when you go about your day. I think there are people who are addicted to, you know, that feeling that you get at a concert or a festival of like that group, you know, mass, that that mass psychology that you get. Um, yeah, it's called Molly. Subs- yeah. <laughs> it's yes, called yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Molly at an EDM festival kind of right. thing, you know. Yeah. And I think... We always, you know, the politicians are there to sell us on this feeling. That's why they have vigils and rallies and all this stuff because people get addicted to that feeling because people are lonely and they like going to these things because it makes them feel connected to something bigger. And that's what that's all about. But the thing is, that has nothing to do with the problem. You know what I mean? And the, and the thing is that all their, for all the things that they're advocating that we do these rallies and vigils for, which is to um, increase the love in our community, see our fellow New Yorker as this or that, like, let's face it, that has, that is not the problem. The problem, unfortunately, goes far deeper than that. And if we really want to understand the problem, I think we got to get our heads out of the fucking, you know, rainbow that we keep trying to um, cover our eyes with. Like, there is a real fucking problem in America that our subway system has to become a shelter of last resort for people that literally have nowhere else to go. They have nowhere else to go. And as a result of them having nowhere else to go, and our good, I mean, good for us, our, 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 our standards of saying like, well, we're not just going to like disappear these people. They are people. So what do we do? We just exercise the laziest of our, uh, the, the you know the laziest of our options, which is just, well, just let them sleep in the fucking subway then, because I'm only there part of the day. It doesn't really matter. Okay, it smells like piss in there. Someone was like smoking meth the other day, uh, in there, but you know I'm only in there for a couple minutes. Whatever. They 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 should have a place to stay when it's you know when it's 19 cold. degrees outside, yeah. right? That's how we think about it. Why does America have this problem? 
Mm-hmm. Like, not every country has a homeless problem to the degree that we do. Why is it so bad in America? What is going on? <laughs> and mm-hmm. until we stop, every time this shit happens, my feeling is if we keep just hitting ourselves with the rainbow, uh, you know, the rainbow coalition shit, uh, every time something disturbing like this happens, we will never squarely confront and acknowledge the depth and scale of the fucking problem. It's terrible. It's fucking terrible. And these these vigils and rallies, I feel, are just distracting us from that reality. You know? None of these politicians came with like any sense of humility or like responsibility for like the situation that we're in right now. Like this is a state where like the Democrats control like all levels of government and the city. And they're like and Tish James said like, and the state of New York dropped all of these homeless people on us. I'm like, you're the state of New York. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like Who when the Congress pe- Yeah. It's like when the Congress people tweet about we must do something while well, you're in Congress. How about you do it? Yeah. You know? Like you put the onus Some back shame. on us to like just deal with it, yeah. like to find solutions for you. You're the power. Yeah, but yeah. no, but it's even worse than that because, like, as regular people, we're saying what the problem is, and then you get yelled at yeah. and shut down. That's yeah, that's right, right? Yeah. Like, I can understand that politicians want to ra- run around and sell us on rainbows and shit, but when the regular people speak up, they're going to have to respond. But the thing is, now you get, you get, you, there's third rails that you can't even say what the problem is. You know, the second I start saying shit like to to certain people about how you know the problem is that the 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 subways are filled with sick and crazy people. Then you get you look invariably you're gonna get lectured by someone about how not first all, all homeless people homeless, are calling yeah. houseless. I'm yeah. like, yeah, don't make a really much of a difference to them, does it? What you call it, right? <laughs> yeah. So really you doesn't. okay, maybe it makes a difference to how you feel about yourself as to what word you use, but don't make a goddamn bit of difference to them. So do not fucking come in on right. your moral high horse saying that because you use houseless and I say homeless, uh, that I'm on the wrong side of this issue. Yeah, I'm sick of this fucking bullshit feel-good liberalism that refuses to touch the ground. You know? And that's what yeah. happened in this case. Her, yeah. for, for, for me, she's still at the bottom of those tracks. That's where she is right now. Nothing's changed. She's still there. And every time I go to that fucking station, I'm going to see her there. And we're not moving on from that. It's going to be like ghosts. She's going to be down there forever in my head. She ain't going nowhere. So is that other... She, and that other woman didn't even die, and she's still there right. for me. These right. horrors. Okay? You touch the ground and feel the horror and just, like, really... I mean, you're right. Like, a sense of humility would be very helpful here. You know? A sense of real humility as to how bad the situation has gotten. And not moving on. Let's not move on. Let's not, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. Let's not see, let's not celebrate this. Okay? Well, let's get depressed into, about this. Let's get let's get church. despair. Let's get some despair going about this kind of shit. Yeah. I, I want some shame. I want a good shame se- session going on here. Uh, you be put, they you, literally you show... started with a pastor. Huh? Oh, they literally no. started with a pastor. I mean, that's the, well, that's that the was... vibe I get. Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah. like like you know, the the pit portrait of Michelle Go and all the other victims. I mean, I don't know. I found those. I found those those drawings, those 
and um illustrated uh avatars of them really creepy you know very you know bright colors very cheerful colors kind of a flat two-dimensional cartoon cartoonization of uh of of their of their portraits you don't get a sense of them as real people at all it's i mean when I first saw a picture of that, I didn't even see like the photos. It just kind of like it was just so neon and bright that it just looked like like a, an ad, like a brand ad behind the behind everyone's heads. It took a while to process that, like, oh, those are the pictures of people who have freaking died yeah. horribly. So just to set and then and then to it's just like a moving church or something. You have you throw up a picture of someone who died tragically and you have a bunch of uh, people in charge, you know, droning on about love and togetherness. And, you know, we have to use this as an example. To, that's church. That's fucking church. Well, yeah. And I think Nunchucks, the, the 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 person who had the tweet thread, he mentioned that or maybe someone else. I saw this that uh, they were actually sort of offended that they had like all these clergy and, and, and religious folks from all these denominations when there was no indication that Michelle Goh was Jewish or Catholic or Christian or, or any of those things. Um, so it was like, why are you there? It, just like, why are the politicians there? Like, what is, you know, there, it's, it's no morbid. So it's, know, using, it's morbid. It's, yeah. Using this horrible tragedy to kind of leverage some donations to the right places. Uh, if you're an elected official, to kind of get your name and face up there so you can show that, you know, you give a shit about your community and all that. And then you just kind of step over this horrible tragedy. You thank them for their sacrifice and then and then roll up the carpet and move on. The next yeah. time some tragedy like this happens, they'll do it. They'll do it again. It seemed like a pretty well-oiled machine. Like Calvin, you posted up um, the the like the organizers for the vigil. Their their thank you note. I was mm. horrified. I was oh, horrified. Like all the companies Awful. and politicians and foundations that they thanked. I mean, it's, they literally spent the time like thanking different like companies for yeah, their donations. Well, how, how, that, that's the, that's the strange thing out of this event. How did we end up in a position where we're thanking Deloitte? Yeah. Right. Deloitte of all places. <laughs> like from what, like at what, what, how did that happen? How did we get to someone was killed randomly in the subway in a horrific attack and then a couple days later, someone is of importance is like, I really want to thank Deloitte. For what? <laughs> what the fuck? Where did like, this come we from? We really feel for Deloitte. Of, yeah. That's the weird sleight of hand that happens with these things. You know, is like suddenly you're thanking giant corporations. Yeah, um, there's some really like vigil industrial complex springing up. Like yeah. this, is, this is a well-oiled machine now. Yeah. This is just going to happen. I think, a it is a, I think they are responding to this need in people. And, you know, it begins with people. I think people, we are in America uniquely, in my mind, uniquely unable to experience negative emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't know yep. what it is, but we just cannot deal with negative emotions. I don't know if that's because our lives are that thin that, like, it, we just don't have the capacity to absorb it or something. But, like, we cannot just feel like utter shit. We don't. We're just, we have to like immediately see the bright side and convince, and then play the music, and then you know get to our happy ending and get some closure or whatever the hell. And that's why it keeps happening. You know, it needs to it's, be packaged as like a media production. We can't process it unless uh, we're watching it through a screen or it, there's high production value to it. Yeah, there's a there's a shape, there's a curve that you follow to get from the point of abject horror and what is going on in our city, what is happening to our society 
um, to, there's a there's a day of just this fear, and I and I think that's a positive thing to to experience because that means you are looking at reality, right? Yeah. Okay, but we can get from there to. I just want to thank uh, the mayor Eric Adams. I want to thank um, Grace Meng for her generous and healing words. I want to thank Deloitte um, for their generous sponsorship. Uh, I want to thank the archdiocese for, you know, like just what yeah. all of a sudden we're thanking, thanking Times Square, thanking the advertisers, thanking, yeah. just fucking thanking yeah, everyone. For, it's yeah. like roll like, credits. Like, like, a, this like is we what just watched takes, the fucking movie. I would yeah, have rather yeah. just had in, in a fucking parking lot, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would have been more honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's just her fa- friends and family. Uh, and, uh, and just a moment to have a raw, a, a raw it, moment of togetherness. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it would have been much better. Yeah. And it was just disgusting because I actually signed up to get the um, text notifications, like an updates on the vigil before it happened. And in the first message they sent me, it said, if you or anyone you know was a friend of Michelle's and would like to say a few words to remember her, please text us back and we will try to include you in the program. <laughs> so they had an hour, hour and a half for the politicians and all the religious folks, but people who actually knew her, they had to try to fit you in there. Yeah. So awesome. we're, we're Chris, we're at a little over an hour. I don't know if we want to wrap this one up because I know we want to get this one out. Uh, yeah. Sure. Does, on does anyone have things they didn't get a chance to say? I, I'm just very sad about this one. I mean, it's the the gaslighting around it, being told what I'm allowed to think, what I'm allowed to feel. Um, I it's it's so self serving to me. It, I don't have anything to. I don't really have anything to add. But it's it's, it's you just have to you, you have to you have to be able to feel this for yourself. I think you can't be relying on people. People don't have your back on this one. You can't be relying on your elected leaders or, or, who, or whoever you follow on social media or something to tell you what to feel about this. I think people know, and I think this, there's a whole machine around this because they're trying to convince us to not feel what we're, what we know is true. That's why everything is catered around, you know, like soothing, kind of shuffling people away from discomfort and towards some some resolution that's all happy and and rosy colored. You want to make the you and you need to feel like this tragedy served some kind of purpose, as if that means it's there's some meaning to it, some value to it. Um, some teachable moment. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't try this hard unless the reality is this is this is a horror. This is a, an absolute abject horror. For that, for Michelle Go, for se- no one, no one else. It's 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 about Michelle Go. That was that was a horrific thing that happened to her, and we should be allowed to feel that. That's uh, yeah. That's that's I think it. What's for me. especially disgusting is, and you'll know that when they don't want you to think about the horror of it, they'll shoo you away and start thinking thanking the bishop. But when it does fit their goals, um, they will show you the horror. So, for example, like in order to sort of uh, sort of counteract this sort of like vaccine skepticism and hesitancy and all this shit, um, CNN will take you into the ICU and shove – Don Lemon will shove a camera and a microphone into the face of a dying man 
or a dying woman, barely able to breathe and saying, do you regret it? Do you regret not taking the vaccine? What do you want to tell the American people? How does it feel in your lungs right now? I mean, they'll do shit like that. That shit is ghoulish. That's gruesome. So so what I'm saying is that when it fits their needs, they will take you down there and show you that ugly, horrible reality if it fits their needs. If it doesn't fit their needs, then then, then they roll the bishop out. And so I think that we need to be very mindful about this kind of manipulation and that's what all this yeah. is yeah yeah um and um we need to think for we need to we need to um not let them mediate our relationship with reality and just don't 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 get sucked into this cult of positivity or whatever you know they're they're hawking mm-hmm. um and it's if you don't feel good about what's going on, that's how you should feel because it's not good. We're the only community where our leaders try to manage us in this way. I mean, Grace Meng. You mean the Asian community? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think we're the only one, know. but we uh, we definitely have it. We're heavy yeah. pretty it, bad. It, it we're pretty bad though, at yeah. it. Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you just don't see people showing up to like Black Lives Matter rallies and like saying, "Well, listen, you just need to feel for like the perpetrator and all the things that happen to them in their life." True, true. You know. They they give people the space to grieve, and we didn't have that. Bless you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, uh, Calvin, I just want to thank you for being our our man yeah, on the thanks, ground thanks. for this yeah, man. vigil. Uh, we really appreciate yeah, your contribution really to this rough. pod. Really appreciate yeah. you going out there. Yeah, I appreciate was... you guys. Yeah. yeah, and as I said in the beginning, we you know this is a kind of a special episode but not in a good way so we hope this episode was helpful in some manner um and until next time this is escape from planet a signing off bye everyone bye Later, y'all. bye, bye.